There is a missing deep pastoral vision that is ready to sacrifice some of the things we love for a greater value Mm. of the thing we need, which is a deep sense of community in the room. Hey, what's up? Welcome to the Loop Kennedy Podcast, where we're passionate about providing you with quality and affordable resources to help your band sound great, but most of all, to help you sound like you. I'm the founder of Loop Community, Matt McCoy, and I'm here with my co-host, Derek. How's it going, Derek? It's good. Derek, has there ever been a time when you've felt really uncomfortable in a church service? Uh, yes, there have been some for sure. One I think of right away is... I think I was in middle school or high school. I went to a friend's church and they did communion, which I've done a lot, but they said, come up to the front, which I imagined like a rip and dip technique, like rip the bread off, dip it in um, the cup. But here it wasn't rip and dip. It was drink right out of the cup. And I'd never done that before, which made me a little uncomfortable. And then it was even weirder that like the person in front of you would pass it to you and nobody wiped it off. They just passed it down the road. They just passed it. It's like this huge gauntlet that's yeah. just going down. Like you walked up front, the person would drink it, turn back to you with the cup, and you had to drink. And I didn't want to not do it because I was at a friend's church and I right. have taken communion before. And like, were people rotating the glass at least? I did. I, <laughs> but I mean, I'm guessing everybody in front of me rotated right. the glass. And so, yeah, churchgoers are pulling out their own personal yeah. straws and stuff. They should. They should, <laughs> they should hand out straws. That is actually terrifying. Yeah, I'm a much bigger fan of either the rip and dip technique, um, which is a great way to get the congregation involved, or just passing it down the row, all separate cups. I know that feeling, though, because I've been to like a church. I think I remember feeling that even when I went to Catholic Mass one time, and you walk up to the front, and they give you the glass to sip out of, but at least they wipe it off. Yeah. But still, even just the wiping off part, I'm like, uh, how about some soap and water? Yeah. (laughs) How about some sanitizer? Yeah. Definitely. But yeah, so this wasn't even a wipe off. Wow. Yeah. And speaking of Catholic mass, that's another time. Um, I haven't been very often, but I know the first time I was a little bit younger too, and just had no clue what I was doing. Like, right. I didn't know what to do. And the people I was with didn't think of that until yeah. it was happening. And then they were like, oh, stand, stand up, stand, yeah. kneel down. I'm like, oh, okay. And the whole time I'm just like, I hope I don't screw up. Um, right. They're all standing up, sitting at certain times, saying different things. Right. And so the more you go, of course, yeah. the more you learn and get taught it. But if you weren't raised yeah. in Catholic mass, then. Right. Yeah. I wasn't raised in Catholic church. And I remember going to mass and just kind of like, you know, murmuring like watermelon to try to like <laughs> get through these you know, these sayings that they're all like saying very confidently. And I'm yeah. like, oh, I wish I could be saying this, but I have no idea right. what you're saying. And honestly, I wouldn't even know where to look because I know yeah. some people were also looking in some sort of book, the program or the liturgy, right? Of yeah. like what to read, but I don't even know what page you turn to. Right. It makes you wonder what in our non-denominational churches we do that makes people uncomfortable. Hmm. Maybe people who aren't normally churchgoers and you invite them to your church. Like, what is it that we do in our churches that makes people like be like, whoa, that's strange. Yeah, one thing I always find uncomfortable, even going to a non-denominational church every week, is during the time of the offering, 
when everybody's singing and yep. the plate passes and then you get that one person that stands up to sing and praise how they want to and then like four people stand up uh-huh. and then you get one row and then everybody stands up but then when everybody stands up the song's almost over yeah but everybody's wondering like do we need to stand up with them right and you just don't even focus on it and i yeah. can imagine being a new person being like well how come they can't decide if they should stand up or sit yeah. down yeah that would feel weird yeah i would think too that maybe sometimes even the greeting could weird people out yeah or even like the hey let's extend our hands and pray for these Mm -hmm. missionaries that we're sending off yeah when you bring someone to church that doesn't normally go to church which is an awesome thing to do but you are much more aware of like oh this is a little weird for like the normal standards like (laughs) why are we reaching our hands out what is that doing and totally um, but it is cool because then you can have a chance to explain stuff like that and why you're doing it right yeah do you have anything of going to a church that was Something uncomfortable? I'm sure I have a lot of stories, but I can't really think of anything right now except for a story that didn't happen to me, but it happened to one of my friends that I always think about because it's just so funny. But he was a guest at this church. And so the sermon was about like being a friend of God. Hmm. And so after the sermon, guess what song the worship (laughs) band was singing? I am a friend of God. Yeah. Well, it's just funny because they thought it would be a, a good idea to like, hey, how about when we get to the very end of that song, we change the lyrics to say, you are a friend of God, and we'll sing, you are a friend of God. But instead of just staying on the stage while singing that, we're actually going to just like, with our handheld mics, walk off the stage into the crowd and sing it right to the people. Oh. So my friend is at this church and he's like in the second row and they start singing, you are a friend of God. And then all of a sudden, like, like in formation, like five singers start walking off the stage with their microphones. And they walk like two feet away from him and they point a finger at him and he's and they start singing, you are a friend of God. <laughs> and my friend just said he looked at him and was like, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, not sure what to do. Thank you. <laughs> That's great. And he just said it was really uncomfortable and awkward. Yeah. Sounds like it. And they just walked around the room and sang, you are a friend of God, which <laughs> I thought was funny. But anyway, so this, you know, this podcast, we're talking about, you know, engaging your congregation. Yes. And so that question, I kind of want to ask that because I thought, What's the opposite of that? Like, right. what, or what's in like an engaging thing we do that actually makes you feel weird yeah. <laughs> and uncomfortable? And I do think that's something that we need to like keep in mind of for when we're inviting people to church. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so my interview with Dan Wilt, we talked about engaging your congregation. Dan's a great trainer. He does a bunch of coaching for worship leaders, and I really enjoyed my conversation with him. I'm excited for everybody to listen to that interview now. Dan, what's up, man? Hey, bro. Glad to have you here. So, we're at the National Worship Leader Conference. Indeed we are. And uh, you and I are both vineyard blood. That's right. I grew up in the vineyard church movement. It's like a baby. My dad was a vineyard pastor in California, San Diego. Yep, indeed. El Cajon Vineyard. Yeah. And uh, how long have you been with the vineyard? Oh, dude, it's been probably 28 years now. 28. A lot of that was in Canada and then... Yeah, where did you start? Like where? It was at the Cambridge Vineyard in Ontario, Canada. The Cambridge Vineyard. Cambridge Vineyard. Yeah. Okay. And you were a worship pastor there? Or? I was. Uh, I was the worship pastor, then the senior pastor, then a long journey of doing all sorts of jobs in the vineyard. So. And you currently work for Vineyard. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the director of communications for the Vineyard movement in the U.S. Yeah. Is that social media stuff or is that press releases or like, what is that exactly? It's everything, my friend. (laughs) Whenever someone says, you know, oh, who could do this? They think, well, it is communicating something. Therefore, 
nudge, yeah. nudge, wink, wink, right. communications. Should do. Right. So, so I do a lot of writing, uh, a lot of just documenting and video and media, just trying to get our voice out and distinctives yeah. and values in fresh ways, right? Internally and externally. Right. Well, the vineyard means a lot to me. Mm. And I was at the vineyard in Cincinnati for a while. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I remember though, as a youth worship leader, I remember watching some of your training videos because mm. you also do oh, wow. worship yeah. leader training and coaching. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Worshiptraining.com. Yep. Yep. How many videos did you guys do on oh, there? Oh, dude. <laughs> well, there's a lot out there now. There's a yeah. lot of great content there. I'm, I probably have about 500 pieces of content in there. Wow. Just little videos wow. and eBooks and other things. So, yeah. yeah. So you've just always had a heart for training worship leaders. Yeah. Training back in the day, you know, Andy Park. Yeah. Back in the day, Andy came and did a retreat when I was a young worship leader. And he said something, he said, some of us get to focus on our craft and our thing for years, and we get really great at it. He said, the Lord whispered to me early in my journey, you're going to spend less time on your craft. Doesn't mean you won't get to. You're going to spend less time on you and more time seeing others shine, like wow. fanning them into flame and right. equipping. And I remember that just dropped in me, man. And wow. I went, that's my path. Yeah. And I just knew it was. And so training, equipping, developing, inspiring, encouraging, anything I can do, that seems to be home base for me, yeah. Did you ever want to be the guy that was up leading worship, or was it always, I want to be the guy that's helping? I've got that in my blood. Yeah, because uh, you lead worship now. Yeah, you know the Enneagram stuff? Yeah, what number So are I'm you? a four okay. with a strong three wing and a strong five wing, so okay. Geeks Unite, and yet, you know, there's these other things. So the individuality thing, the state, I love that. Yeah. But I express that more. I found over the years more as a teacher and speaker and communicator. That's that's where I really give yeah. my more artful kind of thing. And that's like the three, right? It's the three side, yeah. And the worship leader side of me is I am discontent if we are not all singing together. Mm. If I'm not hearing a roar in the room of we, I'm yeah. very dissatisfied as a worship leader. Wow. Even my transition to in-ears was the struggle, you know, bringing right. the mic up, make sure I hear the roar Yeah. because there's something for me, you know, you have those unique voices that just punch through and you go, wow, that is so cool to listen to Phil Wickham just yeah. sing his heart. It's so cool. Yeah, right. God gave me one of those worship leader voices that I think it's it's far less about that. People aren't stopping and going, wow. You know what I mean? They're like, I want to sing right now. Why do I want to sing? It feels like that's the path yeah. for me. And I love that. Would you say that's the four of you? Well, I would say that's a, you know, there, there are subtypes too, social <laughs> and all these other things underneath each one. I'm probably more of a social four in that okay. the we thing is important. I love a sense of tribe and connection yeah. deeply. Right. So I thrive being with other creative leaders. I love that environment. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what creative work they're doing, design work, music, it doesn't matter. I love it. Right. So I live there, but there is a sense of if there's anyone disconnected in the room, yeah. internally I'm having a problem. I mm. see it from the worship leader stage. I right. look, and if I see the person in the back of the room isn't engaging, yeah. I'll wonder why. Interesting. And I might even change what I'm doing to help invite or... Yeah, right. So I looked at that and I went, that's interesting. That's not the same as the yeah. artist performer. That's not the... Yeah. And I love all those you know, on the spectrum, but kind of know your lane and you stay in it. Right. From my perspective, it does seem like it's getting more and more disconnected. And I wonder like, so 28 years ago, like how have you seen that change as far as congregational engagement? Oh my goodness, my friend. So I, I have strong opinions about this. So are we ready? Yeah, no. Hey, bring it. Can we buckle up <laughs> for a bit? There's something I'm working on right now in terms of writing it out 
getting it and, and even doing some research on it, yeah. doing, starting some doctoral work that I'll have to do with this. There is something about rows and stages that have been a gift to the church. Hmm. And because worship forms us, I think have disoriented the church as to what worship is meant to be about. Mm. And I, that sounds so overstated. Oh, we're fine, Dan. You know, it's not a big deal. And it's, it's different churches and different styles. Yeah. And I go, yes, but our space and how we do it forms people. Yeah. I watched the we of worship. Yeah. <laughs> where you really felt it in your bones. Yeah, those old vineyard days, I remember. You felt it, man. And you felt it in different camps. I've watched it shift to powerful stages where things are executed well and tight and there's a little more awe in the congregation, like, wow, they're killing this. And yeah. now I get energy off of their energy mm. rather than it being highly communal energy in the room. Mm. So more complex things are being done, et cetera. And I, I actually love complexity. I love it in its place. And I think that the, the questions, you see these blog posts being shared about disengagement and the songs are too high and all this sort of stuff. To me, it's all symptomatic of something broader going on. And it is that rose with brightly lit stages and darkened rooms mm -hmm. and music and the way we pick our music and why we pick our music, there is a missing pastoral deep, and I don't even know, it sounds weird to even say it this way, but a deep pastoral vision that is ready to sacrifice some of the things we love for a greater value mm. of the thing we need, which is a deep sense of community in the room. So I started something and it's, it's nothing new, but it's a renewed emphasis on it called worship circles, where what I love to do, and especially at worship leader retreats, I say, everybody bring your instrument, bring mandolins, banjo. I don't care what enters this room. Tubas might be iffy, right. <laughs> you know, and tambourines, you better know what you're doing, right? And let's pack in a room and we're going to, you know, we're going to put some solid musicians in the middle. If, if I was doing this in a church, I've done it with 15 people. I've done it with 400 people, these things, wow. right? Yeah. And, uh, and basically, we just, we just pack in in concentric circles, not linear circles. I actually stagger the chairs, but I pack us in as tightly as I can to the center. Yeah. Put the percussion, a solid rhythm in the center. And then you have like maybe two or three worship leaders that are each going to lead a song, but we linger in it. And I'm telling you, it's like throwing a match on gasoline. The roar in the room. You know, you've got the people who don't play very well, not caring. They're watching people who play better, but we're all acoustic, mm. except maybe some things in the middle to give it some boost. Yeah. Not our voices, but like electric yeah. guitar yeah. for ambience or whatever we need. And I'm just telling you, I've done these all over the world now in different contexts. And every single time, man, it's a roar in the room. We're looking into each other's eyes as we worship. It's mm -hmm. not a dimly lit. I mean, sometimes we've done candlelit ones and there's a sweetness to that and that's all right. cool. But at some moments you can't tell who's leading because there's this concert of people and we'll go on for like two hours lingering in songs, just wow. singing to the Lord, rising and falling. The younger worship leaders are learning how to rise and fall together. Yeah. And it's not chaotic. Wow. It's actually beautiful. Does it start with someone leading? Yeah. It starts with someone leading the song, takes it. Okay. So I'll lead it and there might be two others, but I'll start leading us in a song. So they're looking for direction, Yeah. but we're also, we're in, like we're not spectating. We're all in right. and playing. And especially when you get to something that people know really well, like we give everyone charts, everyone has a Nashville number chart and a chart. Right. So they're comfortable. They're comfortable. They got it. You know, person doesn't know what they're doing. People switch instruments. Like they're like midway through and they're yeah. like, I want to try to play the cajon over yeah. here. And they switch up and Here, here's my banjo, mess around. But because of the din in the room, you can't, yeah. it, it's swallowed in it. It's beautiful. And then there is just this thing when we end, 
All I know is every single time the resonant we in the room is huge. Mm. Now I've done this with congregations. I do it a cappella in communion yeah. circles. I teach people things. We sing together. But I'm convinced that if we don't recover the we quickly, yeah. we're going to keep disorienting in a way that I think is actually really impacting our discipleship. We use family language and community language a yeah. lot. You know, hey, we're family. We're all this. I'm like, yep. then you got to fight for it harder on yeah. a Sunday morning. Right. This participatory sense of we going on in the room. And the truth is some people are there because they like that there's a stage and they can disappear into it. Mm-hmm. And I say, you know, there's a place for that. I get it. Right. But I think we got to fight for looking each other in the eye, lights up, yep. singing together. I'm not saying awkward, like staring at each other, creepy, yep. right? Yep. I'm talking about we're tight and we're in. Totally. And I have something to do with this when I walk in the room. I really do. Yeah. They're not going to carry it. We're going to carry it together. Right. Wow, man. That's good. It does seem like church has become more and more of a watch a production kind of thing. And where's my part in it? I think this worship circle thing is really good mm-hmm. because I have also felt like Loop Community is a website where we sell people tracks yeah and i've always felt like man are we actually like perpetuating this whole like programmatic church kind of thing so everything we've tried to do is figure out how do we make tracks then be spontaneous sure yeah um but it's hard yeah and i also do think there is a major need for this whole like let's get people involved we how do you think like the worship circle thing could actually translate into a sunday morning have you tried to do that at your church in franklin we haven't done it at our church in Franklin. Yeah. We've done it in various events. Or like if you have a 20-minute worship set, are there any tips that you would give a worship leader? On- yeah, I think, honestly, it all sounds so simplistic. But I think it's it's like, you know, saying eat your vegetables is one thing. <laughs> Consistently eating your vegetables with others mm. so that you all develop a sense of loss if you're not yeah. is a totally different thing. And language can fool us into think we're doing something. So I say... Try something in your set. Have your great music because people love it. They're moved by it. It's got its place. I'm, I'm right, in. Right. But then have that acapella moment where if they don't carry it with you, it yeah. doesn't happen. It's collaborative. Have that acapella moment in the middle. Have us saying the scriptures together in your mm. set. Have us doing something where the congregation has to engage or it will be silly. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, totally. But, and and build it. Teach them that. Yep. That and even say that in those thirty second moments you have to either pray or yep. ramble about. God is awesome, isn't he? We love you so much. You know, we do the same things. Say, you know, we're here together in community worshiping, and so through right. the set, we're going to speak the scriptures together. We're going to sing in an acapella moment for a while. Yeah. And let's let's own that we're collaborating in this time of worship with the present spirit. Yeah. Right. That took me 10, 12 seconds to say, but it teaches the congregation. Uh, this isn't about you doing your thing and me punching in and getting out, you know, yeah. or just me riding on this. I do think people need that. I think people need stages and experiences, immersive environments mm-hmm. to help them, to help them heal, to help them talk to God, to help them do all sorts of things. I think if that is all we do, yeah. the diet is not balanced <laughs> and we're disorienting the church. It's funny that you are using diet and mm. vegetables because actually just a couple weeks ago, I interviewed a guy named Aaron Nequist yeah. who oversees a new liturgy. Yep. And he was actually saying, we need to have a well-balanced meal. Yeah, He's like, for so long, we're just like serving just, you know, if you if you had people over to your house and you're just serving them salad, 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 it's like, well, yeah. how about some meat and then some, you know, yep. there needs to be like a well-balanced meal. And that's kind of what he was saying we need to be doing in worship experience. Yeah. Like bring in prayer, bring in scripture, bring in... Yep. The singing is fine, you know, like... Yeah, and, and you become 
you know, it's the old, the old adage, you are what you eat, right? Yeah. So let's assume that our worship environments, not just what we do, but how we do them, yeah. are forming people. Yeah. They're forming their ideas about what community is, what spirituality is, what their part to play is. Yeah. Let's assume that how we do it, from the room set up to the lighting, to all mm. that is, is teaching them as much as the message, as much as. Yeah. Let's assume that and then say, what is the steady diet Sunday after Sunday, 50 or 52 Sundays? We are what we eat. What are we becoming at the end of a year as a worshiping community? Mm. And I think there's a lot of novelty thinking out there where it's like, you know what we're going to do for this Lent? One Sunday, we're going to do this. And then we feel like we've done it for the year. Hmm. I say, that's not a steady diet. That's a party around a, <laughs> let's be vegan for a day. You know what I mean? Or let's be this for a day. Or let's... Yeah, right. And I think we need to think, we're, we're forming people over time. Mm -hmm. Kids, adults. And two years, three years in, they're thinking differently about how they interact with God personally and in community by the way we do it. Wow. I'm glad that there's guys like you that are talking this way even. and Because I do sense there's going to be a whole new wave of this kind I of thing. I think there is. I was listening to John Egan yep. give a message a couple months ago at a worship conference. And he was just encouraging the older worship guys in the room to be like, listen, you need to be fathering. Yeah, You need to be really stepping it up and stepping yep. up the leadership of fathering these younger. There's 16-year-old yeah. kids coming into the worship culture. Yep. And they think they need to be dressing a certain way and look a certain way and have the certain kind of lighting and sound. Exactly, yeah. They start with the form rather than the content. Exactly. Yep. And he was just saying, we need to be really fathering these guys. Yeah. And leading them in what matters. Yep. <laughs> what, why are we doing what we're doing? And We're in an age where we have a style fixation. Mm -hmm. we, we are, and we never want to say it, but we really are focused on the outward kind yeah. of feel of this thing. And of course, we reference the inward process too. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, the content, even the content of the songs we're choosing, the content of the service, how we're uh -huh. doing it, it's less important than the style and how people connect with yeah. it. Right. And that becomes Lester Ruth said, you know, a personal story mm. versus a God narrative story. And yeah. it's more style focused than it is content focused. And again, we need both personal God story. I'm, I'm with it all, all the way. That's, yeah, right. that's even a vineyard thing. We want times for people to respond to God. It's yeah. all that. But the younger you are, the more you think that the way it looks and feels is the content. Is it? Yeah. And they have to be taught, no, here's the heart, here's the content. Right. Life might beat it into you, but let me share yeah. <laughs> what the Eucharist really might be about. What the resurrection of Jesus at Easter, rather than us just saying he rose again, he rose again, we might actually have more to say about that. Yeah. Wow. Songs we could pick that would capture another turn of the diamond of the resurrection. Right. You know? And that, that takes coaching and fathering and mothering and sistering and brothering. Right. Yeah. I like to think of it like the idea of that, like, if there's ever a battle between content and style. Yeah. Content always wins win. over style. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Because that's what's going to last. Yeah. That's the substance of it. Yeah. Repeatable truth. Dan, this is awesome. Where could people, if they wanted to get in touch with you or, or find your music or let us know sure. about anything yeah. you're working on? or Well, I have a blog, danwilt.com. Okay. So that's easy. Awesome. And that's that's where I talk about, I talk about worship and other things related to mm. it. Yeah. So I do a lot on spiritual formation related to worship. I okay. care about the formative aspects of worship. Um, but then there are just practical things where I'll talk about, you know, I have one post called 
uh, accompaniment versus immersion. It's it's the, the sound <laughs> culture in our churches. One yeah. wants to hear the voices, and the other wants to be swallowed in the music. Right? Wow. And there's yeah. often a battle. And so it's practical things, and then projects I'm working on. So I've been mainly part of others' projects, co-writing. Yeah. Uh, Vineyard Worship has out a few records. One of them is called Wear the Crown. Yeah. And honestly, it's one of my favorite recordings we've come out within years. Um, and th- there are a lot of great ones in that. I have a few songs on there, Doxology, Anthem, Lord, We Praise You, oh, wow. that great. we use in worship circles. It's, okay. it's a more kind of cigarette sound version yeah. of that. But we use it in worship circles because it just works in that. Yeah. And then some other songs that are part of that, How Glorious and, and others. It's fun to co-write songs that you'll use the rest of your life because they work. Mm. There's something really satisfying in that in some recent projects. You can find it all through DanWilt.com. All DanWilt.com. Yeah, yeah. So good, man. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, my privilege. Vineyard blood, man. We cut from the same cloth right here. So That's right. That's right. Thanks for having us. Hey, community. Our Indie Spotlight this month is Family Church Worship. They're part of Family Church, a network of churches in Palm Beach County in Florida. They're a community of worship leaders seeking to love people and help them redirect their worship to Christ. They recently released their newest single, Thank You, Jesus, and they also have an awesome Christmas album called Tell the Story. Let's hear from them now. Christmas is such a special time full of great traditions, familiar elements, from the decorations to the food to the music. All of these things make Christmas so special as we celebrate Jesus. So, you know, obviously creating new ways to present Christmas music is always a challenge. This is why we love this album, Tell the Story. It is a fresh new take on very familiar and loved Christmas songs, and yet these songs are still recognizable and beckon back to the original versions. Because our church is located in South Florida, where the Hispanic population is huge, this album also includes six songs in Spanish. So we want these songs to be a great reminder of God's goodness to everyone in our community, and we hope they accomplish the same in yours. Thanks, Tyler. Now let's listen to their song, The First Noel. This is Community Talk. Really interesting interview, right, Derek? Yeah, What did you think about that? I loved just all the talk about congregational engagement and how there can be a disconnect between the people on stage and the congregation. And he talked about how like the rows and the stage and the music we bring are all very important and it's important how we set it up, but also there can be a missing value of like a pastoral vision from the worship team and from everybody who sets up the service to bring in the people in the congregation and create a community, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. I was just sitting here thinking, 
when you have like chairs facing a stage and two people facing opposite directions, like at some point there is a line. Mm -hmm. There's like a wall almost between the two and you have to figure out a way to somehow break between that right? to build connection. Yeah. So that it's engaging so that people aren't just sitting in their chairs watching something on stage. And so that also people on stage aren't just singing or preaching into no man's land. Yeah. I can not even actually like seeing through this wall and mm-hmm. seeing through these to the people. Yeah. And he says like, give them in your service an opportunity to kind of like be included. And yeah. whether that's um, praying out loud or reading scripture together or an acapella part where mm-hmm. he said, force them to be involved to where it would be silly if they weren't. <laughs> and I think of like we talked about before, like a moment of coming to the front for communion or yeah singing out loud and having on the screen it say like congregation so that if they don't sing no one's singing so they're kind of forced into it which will show them that hey you're welcomed to be a part of it and you are included yeah i love that at our church where they do antiphonal scripture reading sometimes yes but they also do open mic scripture reading which i think is cool yeah that's really cool we're like in the middle of the worship set worship leaders like hey we're going to sing this song about you know the hope we have in christ you know in a couple minutes right now i want you to find a a scripture that talks about the hope we have in Christ. And then in a couple minutes, go ahead and start lining up at these microphones and we're going to hear these scriptures read. Yeah. And, you know, the song ends, the people start reading scripture at these different microphones on either side of the stage. And, you know, maybe like five on each side. And then when it's done, you jump back right into that song about the hope we have in Christ. Yeah, definitely. It's always really powerful. I like it a lot. And that's a good way to engage people. Yeah, breaks that line for sure. Right. What else stood out to you? Yeah, he talked about the worship circles that he does. And he said he's done these with 15 people all the way up to like 400 people at different events. And that was another cool way to make everybody feel included and involved. Uh, They all bring in instruments, he said, and get in like different circles. And somebody leads in the middle to kind of kick it off. But then everybody just kind of starts playing along. And uh, he said you would think it would be chaotic, but it's not. And Mm -hmm. it's always really a powerful time of like a roar in the room and everybody sings louder or plays louder even people that aren't normally comfortable and he just kept honing in on the point of like we have to have this we in the church where it's not just the people who put together the service and then the people who come to the service it has to be a we where everybody is involved and everybody is a part of it Mm. otherwise we're going to see a decline of the church basically like disoriented people who are like, well, I guess I just go to church. Yeah, they're not of, involved. Yeah, instead of being a part of yeah. the kingdom. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Have you ever experienced anything like that? I haven't experienced um, a worship circle like that exactly, but I have had times where like the worship pastor or something just is like, we're not going to have instruments or something like at different events and just everybody kind of sings or they tell you to like pray out loud, just yeah. your own prayer, which I always find really powerful of like hearing all these different prayers, even though you can't like distinguish what everybody's saying. It just sounds like a murmur, but it's all these like prayers crying out to God together. Right. And that always makes me feel like, wow. Yeah, we're doing it. We're in this together. We're all together. We all have prayers. Nobody's just like, well, I don't really have any issues. So it's just more apparent than you sitting there and being like, well, the people on stage have it together and I don't. Yeah. I think I heard that at a conference recently, they handed out, a scripture, a passage of scripture to every single person in the room. Mm-hmm. And then everybody read their scripture at the same time. So it was just like a huge sound of chaos, basically. Yeah. <laughs> everybody reading a scripture. But there were enough people in the room that they had actually read the entire Bible. Yeah, I think that In like I heard one that. minute. Yep. Which is pretty cool. 
That is really In cool. one minute, they all had read collectively the entire Bible. Yeah. I have actually never experienced that except for like in a home group, like a mm, small group yeah. where you're just in a living room and you're singing and there is someone that's leading basically, but it doesn't feel that way though. Yeah. Because you're sitting in a circle and everybody's kind of contributing to what's happening. Yeah. But I did think that was really cool what he was, what he was doing with the worship circles. Makes me think of that story about the heart of worship mm-hmm. with Matt Redman. Have you ever heard this before? I haven't. So there's that old song, The Heart of Worship. I'm coming back to The Heart of Worship. It's all about you. The verse is like, when the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. Mm-hmm. And the story behind the song, when he wrote the song, was that the pastor of his church, Mike Pilavachi, was just like, we've gotten way too wrapped up with like the sound and the lights and this like programmed service. He's like, we've gotten way too much wrapped up in that. It's become too much about that. Mm-hmm. So he just like literally stripped everything away and said, okay, we're not doing this anymore. We're actually going to just meet in like a room, sit in a circle. And he's like, everybody in the church needs to bring something, something to share, something to give. So whether it's like a scripture you want to read or a poem that you wrote or a song that you wrote, anything, some word of encouragement or a painting or something you want to show people, like you have to bring something. Cool. So everyone's involved. Well, and that's when Matt Redman wrote that song, The Heart of Worship. Wow. Pretty awesome. And that's yeah. actually what his story made me think of with the worship circles. Anything else stand out to you? Yeah. And just at the end, talked a lot about style versus content, which is something we always, as worship leaders, are trying to have the right balance of and having the amount of sounding good and looking professional yep. or good and impressive compared to the amount of content and definitely something we always need to be reminded of and a hard balance to fight. For a while there, it seems to have pendulumed so much to the style side where mm-hmm. style was so important. Everybody was thinking and worrying about style. What does like the sound of the band sound like? What is yeah. the style of the band? I mean, even visually too, style, style, style. And maybe that has to do with social media or you know, everybody's trying to portray an image, so to speak. And I think though, for a while there, we were getting away from just like, what are we saying? Mm-hmm. to the Lord. And what's actually, I think, kind of sad is that there's some amazing songs that say some really powerful things that don't have good style to them. And so people just ignore them. Yeah. There's some like old songs too that like are really powerful, but we don't even play them because it's like, well, that sounds cheesy. Yeah. So I don't think it's like that you have to have one or the other. Right. Ideally, we would figure out a way to have, you know, style and good content mm-hmm. together. Um, because I feel like it would deliver a more like nourished whole meal in a yeah, way. Yeah, the balanced diet. Which we talked about that a little bit too. Yeah. I think a lot with like just technology and the ability to have style increased everybody too. And then also the outward focus of like, how can we bring people in? We can't look mm-hmm. weird at all. Yeah, we can't like, look weird we can't and be cheesy. We can't have any and... content because if we have content, they'll see that like... yeah we're actually trying to talk to them about something. But when you don't have the content, the people don't want to stay because they just think it's like a show. Right. So why keep coming back? So the content is very important. Right. And more important, it should win out. Um, yeah, right. But there, it is good to have a balance for sure. Yep, have both if we can. Anyways, great interview. Lots of good stuff there for worship leaders who are trying to think through ways of engaging their church. I think there's just, uh, I think we just need to keep trying trying mm-hmm. different things. And if it doesn't work, don't do it again. Yeah. <laughs> but if there's parts of it that do work, figure out how to do it again and maybe change it up a little bit so that it's even better next time. But I think we need to just keep 
trying to engage our congregations, keep trying to break down that barrier, that wall, and we need to stop doing things that are encouraging building up that wall. Yes. We need to stop doing things that are encouraging spectator worship and do more things that are encouraging participation in worship. Yes, for sure. Thanks for joining the podcast. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Loop Community Podcast. Make sure you subscribe.